In today's episode, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes talking about inspiration. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for listening to Preach Impediments, made possible by Eden Hollow. Check out what's being written and made available by going to EdenHollow.com. In my last episode, I had the honor of talking with Cloy Sutton from the Memphis area, and we talked about inspiration. It is a topic that I love to talk about with people because it is a topic that a lot of people have questions about when they are first wrestling with the ideas of Scripture, where do Scriptures come from, how can we have trust in Scripture, how do we know that the Bible is the Word of God and is the Word of God that we should pay attention to. Really, all of those uh, evidences and questions of faith that we struggle with about the Bible, many of them struggle with the idea of inspiration. So I love to talk about this topic, and I have found over the years that there is a really simple way to explain inspiration. This is my go-to example, and I hope that you'll appreciate it. It will require me to use a little bit of music, and so maybe you'll enjoy that too, uh, but I think you'll get the point, even though this will be a bit of a shorter podcast than normal. The main passage we use to talk about inspiration is 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That word inspiration, as Cloyce pointed out just a few days ago, is the word, is often translated just God-breathed, that, that concept. And so people have lots of questions about what does it mean for God to breathe out the scriptures? What is that talking about? What does that look like on a practical basis? And here's the example that I often use. And I think you'll get the point once I explain it and we talk about an illustration of it. I was a bit of a band nerd when I was in high school. I played trombone. And uh, that is not the coolest instrument in the band, but it was an instrument I loved. My dad had played it, so we had one sitting in the attic whenever I decided to do band back when I was in middle school. And it was an instrument I actually enjoyed. I enjoyed just the, the physical movements of it and those types of things. That idea of sliding the slide to make sure that you're right on pitch it really helped me learn how to get my ear trained for music and those sorts of things. I really enjoyed it. And, and there were a lot of songs that we played. Uh, it was always interesting to me to sit in a band and you would have flutes and clarinets and the whole woodwind section. And then I was in the brass section with the trumpets and sousaphones and French horns and tubas. And then there's the drums that are always too loud and... Uh, let's be honest, most drummers are a bit of an uh, obnoxious conundrum that band directors have to deal with, but they're necessary and wonderful. I always wanted to be the guitarist for the band, for the jazz band, but I had a friend who was a much better guitarist, and so he always got that job. 
And there was just all these different roles in a band. Now, here's the reason I'm digging into this. When you're talking about different instruments, many of them are controlled by our breath. A flute, you must blow over the hole. When you're dealing with clarinets and saxophones, you must blow air between the reed and the mouthpiece. Uh, when you're dealing with brass instruments, there is the mouthpiece, that little metal cup that you make the vibrations of your lips in in order to make this instrument have sound. Now, if we were to play the same song on a flute as what we played on the clarinet, as what we played on a trumpet, you're going to be able to, although each one will sound different, they will be the same. They will convey the same message. They will allow us to understand the expression of the song. The breath is the power behind the message. The breath is what allows the message to happen. Even if there's a different instrument being breathed into, it is the same message. And let me see if I can play a couple of examples. Now, you're going to know what this song is right away as soon as you start hearing the melody of the song. But I think hearing it and seeing how quickly you recognize the message is going to be helpful. Let's listen for a moment. Now imagine you were able to get that message pretty easily. Let me try another one for you here. Now, did you hear the same message and what was being played there? I imagine you did. I imagine you didn't have any difficulty at all recognizing the tune and hearing the similarities between the tunes. They were in slightly different keys. The first one was played on the trumpet. That one was played on a clarinet. And then if we were to keep going, you'd hear the same message again. All three of these versions of Amazing Grace 
were easy to recognize. And while you know, we don't typically listen to hymns on instruments or especially sing along with hymns that have instruments going along with it, I think you get the point of what's being done here. You know, here, it didn't matter whether it was a trumpet, a clarinet, or a flute. And we could go on with more instruments. I've even got an instrument called a nose flute, which you blow the air out of your nose and change the shape of your mouth in order to make the song sound the way you want it to sound. And I could convey the same message on that particular instrument. The instrument does not matter. It is the controller of the instrument that matters. It is the message that is being given to the instrument to give out. And the Bible is very similar. We've got a lot of different writers, uh, almost 50 writers of the Bible. Some of them wrote small pieces. Some of them wrote long pieces. You've got Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. You have uh, the, the psalmist writing in poetry, you've got others like, like Moses writing law, you've got stories and narratives. You know, all of these writings, even though they're written by different people in different ways and different genres at different locations and different languages, they all portray the message of the one who was breathing into the instrument. And that is what matters. That's what we really have to key in on. You know, here, when Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed, the point he is making is that God was in control. He wasn't making a statement about exactly how God did it, because I think God did it in different ways at different times with different instruments. But he was talking about the fact that it was God who did it. And that's why. The message is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I hope that helps you understand a little bit more about why inspiration matters and what it is about inspiration that should wow us as the people of God. We have a God who cared to put a message into our hands. We have a God who desired us to have truth because he knew that that truth would give us the answers we need in order to be completely equipped for his work. And I think he also knew that that truth would be the revelation that would make us understand not only what he wants from us, but what he has done for us. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 19. And starting in verse 7, it says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, drippings from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. 
Do you see that? The value of God's word is that it gives us the instruction and the precepts and the testimony and the command and the ordinances of God by which we live our lives, by which we compare our lives so that we can make sure that we are warned to not do the things the Bible warns us against and so that we can focus on the good things that God gives us to do as his children. That psalm ends with, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, how do we know that God is our rock and redeemer? And how do we know how to worship God in a way that displays our love for him? Well, all of that comes from revelation. All of that comes from scripture. All of that comes from us having a recognition that God's words are the God-breathed, inspired words by which we will live our lives. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that this episode has maybe opened your eyes to the importance of inspiration, the importance of living our lives by God's way. I certainly hope that you will be willing to share this episode with others and that you will help us get the word out about preach impediments so that people can learn more and be challenged in the way that they live their lives to live more for God, to live in the shadow or in the service of our rock and our redeemer, our God who has revealed himself to us in his word. Until next time.